0: It going, Longhorn Nation. Welcome to Texas Talk, your one-stop shop for everything involving Texas Longhorns football. I'm your host, Ryan McLoon, and it is Friday, October 27th. I apologize for getting this podcast out so late. It's been a hectic, hectic week for me. I'm running a little bit sick as well, so but I didn't want to not have a podcast this week. So We're going to kind of run through this pretty quickly. It's not going to be a very long podcast at all. Um, For any of our gambling listeners, we will also be doing the big bets plays on the end of this podcast as well. So uh, make sure to kind of stick around for that one. But anyways, Friday, October 27th, we will be talking about a little bit about the Houston game not too much, a little bit about BYU coming up, a lot about this Texas roster in general. We'll also bring up Ryan Wingo, Uh, and then like I said, at the end of the pod, we'll do our plays of the week. Before we get into it though, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you're listening. Also, tell your friends and family about us. After that, please make sure to check out our website, texas-talk.com. On the website, you'll be able to find the Longhorns updated roster, depth chart, the 2023 recruiting class, transfer portal additions and departures, any trending news, plus our analysis on the team. So be sure to check all of that out. The link to the website will be in the podcast description. All right, let's get into it and talk about Week 8, Texas at Houston. Tough, tough game for the Longhorns. They started off incredibly hot. They started off to a 21-point lead, gave that up in the second half. Uh, rough, rough start, for or rough finish, really, for the Longhorns. But they do get it done at the end. They have the game-winning uh, touchdown with about five minutes left. In the game, Cedric Baxter breaks one loose. Overall, my take on this game is that Texas won the game. Um, you know, if you can climb out of there with a win, that's all that matters at the end of the day. Bobby Bowden, uh, legendary Florida State head coach, had incredible, incredible quote. Um, one that I love: "A program is built in four stages," he said. First, you lose big. For me, that's Texas in Steve Sarkeesian's first year. Then you lose close. That was kind of Texas last year. You know, they they never lost by more than single digits at all last year. Then you win close. Right now, I really feel like Texas is at that spot where they're winning games. Maybe they're closer than you want them to be. Look at rice look at wyoming um look at last week against houston they're close wins but they are wins in the win column and then finally you win big and that's kind of to be determined for texas but for bobby bowden to kind of lay it out in that way building a program in those four stages i absolutely love that and to me that doesn't have to mean that each of your first four years, that's exactly, you know, the recipe. But in those stages, I feel like Texas is in that third stage right now where they are winning games closely. They are becoming a fourth quarter team and really, really makes me excited to see if Texas can take that final step and win big um, in 2024, in 2025 even, um, and see kind of, how they develop in that way. But I do love that quote. I think about it often, especially because, in my opinion, it relates to Texas and Steve Sarkeesian's uh, first three years with Texas so perfectly. That's kind of what I took away from this Houston game, though, is Texas survived. They won. Um, Obviously, you don't apologize for any of your wins What was not great for Texas is how many injuries that they sustained last week. Uh, Gavin Holmes, Alfred Collins, Jody Barron went into the Houston game a little nicked up. He ended up playing a little bit towards the end, but Jody Barron didn't have a full day either. Ethan Burke, Jalen Catalan, same thing as Jody Barron, except for he didn't play at all. And most notably, of course, Quinn Ewers uh, out. Right now he's week to week. Steve Sarkeesian has come out already and said that Malik Murphy will be the starting quarterback for Texas against BYU. But it sounds to me like Sark is kind of leaving the door open for Arch Manning to potentially see some playing time if Malik struggles, if Malik balls out in Texas is up big against BYU feel like we could see arch manning now um arch will get four games of playing time before his red shirt is kind of burned up and in my opinion any of these five star guys if if they're worrying about red shirting you know i just i just don't really see how that relates most likely arch manning is not going to need five years of college to make it to the NFL. You know, mostly these guys just need one or two. Well, one is a little bit of an exception, but usually two, maybe three years of starting experience. Obviously, the more starting experience, the better. But most NFL teams, if you're that talented, they will take you with only one year of starting experience. Look at Joe Burrow, for example, goes number one overall, only started one year. Now, it was a very special year he had at LSU, but I'm sure if you go down the list, there's a few examples of players just playing and starting one full season and still being first-round draft picks. All that said, I don't think the red shirt is that big of a deal for Arch, but obviously it's always good to have it in your back pocket. You don't want to just burn it up for no reason whatsoever. I talked about uh, Malik uh, Murphy a little bit, I feel like Malik. uh, I keep wanting to say Malik Muhammad, the Texas cornerback, right now. But Malik Murphy, I feel like he is going to come in and play really, really well with this Texas offense. These this Texas offense has so many weapons. You have two phenomenal running backs right now in Jonathan Brooks, and now Cedric Baxter is looking really, really good and. Kind of looking like why he was the starter heading into week one. A um, little bit more healthy than he's been all year long. Next up, we have the wide receivers. Xavier Worthy, Adonai Mitchell, Jordan Whittington. And that's without even playing much of Jonte Cook, Isaiah Nayer, Casey Kane, DeAndre Moore. There are so many weapons in that wide receiver room. Finally, tight ends. I didn't mention him, but Tavion Sanders also nicked up right now. Not sure. I'm pretty sure he's going to play. Not sure how healthy he is, though, right now. But you still have Gunnar Helm, who's been a really, really solid option as well. Malik Muhammad, or Malik Murphy. I'm sorry, I keep doing that. Malik Murphy has so many weapons at his disposal uh, right now as the starter. Feel like he's going to perform well because he's been in this Steve Sarkeesian system now a full year and a half, um, and I feel like he's just got to be a ball distributor right now. He doesn't have to make incredible, incredible plays. He's capable of it. He has probably the best arm in this Texas quarterback room, which is, you know, boasting Quinn Ewers, who was the highest rated quarterback prospect. Ever uh tied with uh, Vince Young, and then Arch Manning, probably the most highly notable uh recruit ever in the history of recruiting, Arch Manning is probably the most highly sought after recruit ever um, with those two guys, Malik M- Murphy still has the most talented arm in this room in terms of arm strength and just being able to throw the ball on an ice rope. Right. It is incredible how strong this guy's arm is. Just an absolute rocket launcher. Does that play well for Texas to be maybe even more explosive than they've been with Quinn Ewers? I'm not sure about that. A strong arm doesn't always mean that he has the deep ball. Now, in the spring, we saw that Malik Mur- uh, Malik Murphy did have that deep ball, and he is able to be a threat uh, You know, 20-plus yards down the field. Is that going to translate into real game, live action? I don't know. And it's honestly just great for Texas that BYU is is Malik Murphy's first game in action. Because BYU, they're a really good home team. But on the road, they're just a completely, completely different team. Home field advantage is a real thing, especially in college football. BYU takes full advantage of that. So do we when we bet them. Um, But on the road, they're just not a very talented team. They're lacking those athletes that Texas does have on the perimeter, along the offensive and defensive lines even. Blake Murphy should and could exploit these uh, BYU defensive backs with the crazy amount of weapons that Texas has, I'm kind of hoping that Steve Sarkeesian allows him to do that a little bit, get him comfortable, because the week after, we are playing Kansas State, and although I think Texas matches up incredibly, incredibly well with Kansas State this year, I think that's still going to be a really tough game and Murphy is going to have to be ready to play and you know be a competent starter and make some plays by himself with using just his armor even just his legs he's not much of a runner but honestly neither is Quinn Ewers and Quinn Ewers is running the ball pretty well himself this year so maybe Murphy will kind of follow suit and even though he's a pure pocket passer, he'll still be able to find some rush lanes um, and make the defense pay for not respecting him as a runner, kind of like Quinn Ewers has been doing so far this year. Now, if Murphy does struggle against BYU, what do we do then? Do we maybe see Arch in the second half? Do we potentially even just go to Arch for the Kansas State game? Um, without really seeing him in live action i don't think so i don't think that's the answer i think you have to give malik murphy a full game just to kind of see what he has before you move on to arch because once you move on to arch it's going to be tough to get malik murphy back in the saddle now i know these two have been competing back and forth back and forth and i know that the boosters and the fans and the reporters, everybody's going to be asking and clamoring for Arch Manning to play. But I think if you're Steve Sarkeesian, you can't mess with Malik Murphy's confidence like that. I think you have to keep Malik Murphy in the game, even if he's struggling, unless he's... Unless Steve Sarkeesian really believes it was that close of a battle and Arch Manning could theoretically win games that Malik uh, Murphy just... Straight up cannot win for Texas. Unless that's the case, Steve Sarkeesian is going to stick with Malik Murphy for as long as possible. Let's take a quick pause so I can just take a sip of water. Apologize for the bad radio, but Malik Murphy, I, I feel like he has all the confidence going right now. If you put Arch in with him struggling... You're never gonna get that confidence back, Murphy's going to be onto the transfer portal after this year and we'll kind of never know what Malik uh Murphy's potential is and and unless he kind of reaches it somewhere else but to me, it's Malik Murphy's team right now, and it's going to continue to be his team at least through the Kansas State game because. Like I said, he should be able to exploit BYU all by himself with those playmakers, with those uh, guys at running back. Murphy should have a solid day, even if he doesn't light it up. He shouldn't make any plays that lose Texas the game. Honestly, even if he makes one or two you know, mistakes, interception here, interception there, fumble, whatever, Texas should still win this game pretty comfortably. So kind of let Malik Murphy take those lumps, learn from them, and come back against Kansas State in Week 10 and, you know, kind of play as the starter still. Arch Manning does interest me, though, and I and I do wonder how close he actually is to competing with Malik Murphy and how much of it is just Steve Sarkeesian making it sound and look like more of a competition than it really is, um, you know, just to kind of keep everybody sharp. If you're telling Malik Murphy that he's the starter and Arch has no chance of playing at all, one, if I'm Arch, you know, that kind of ticks me off. I'm working I'm working really hard. I'm thinking that I'm just as good as Murphy and you're not even giving me a chance. Yeah, that would tick me off. That's basically why Texas didn't get Adrian Peterson as a recruit is Mac Brown basically went to him and said, yeah, Adrian, there's no chance that you're going to start for for us. We have Cedric Benson coming back for his uh, senior season. Adrian Peterson then went around and said, if you're not even giving me a chance, what am I doing here? And he goes on, uh, goes to Oklahoma. Obviously, the rest is history. So little little tangent there, but that's kind of what Steve Sarkeesian is doing the opposite of, and it's a master class right now. I'm not sure I believe that the quarterback competition between Murphy and Arch is all that close. Maybe it was, maybe it was, but in my opinion, it's more of Steve Sarkeesian playing those games just to keep both guys sharp. Murphy a little bit looking over his shoulder um, every single day at practice until the very end. And then Arch just working harder and harder to try to beat that, dangle that carrot and get ahead um, of Malik Murphy in the depth chart. Now, that's kind of all I have. We kind of did a little bit of both there with Houston and BYU coming up. The big one's going to be Kansas State next week, and it'll be a nice, even week for us. We'll we'll get the podcast out on time. We'll do the big bets as well. Um, but now, let's move on to... Big Bets podcast. We got six plays this week. Two little ones, two sprinkles, and then we got four true plays. So I'm just going to read them really quickly. Houston at Kansas State. We're taking the over 59 and a half. Love the pace that Houston plays with. Kansas State, I think they found something with Avery Johnson at quarterback. I think they can hit explosive plays against Houston. And like I said, Houston's offense plays with Such a fast pace that if they're not scoring, at least they're giving the ball back to Kansas State really, really quickly. Over 59.5 in that game. West Virginia at UCF. West Virginia, seven point dogs against new Big 12 opponent UCF. It's as simple as that. I'm taking West Virginia plus seven. UCF, new to the Big 12 usually teams that enter you know move up in level of competition don't really play all that well in conference and that's kind of remained true so far BYU actually leads the Big 12 new Big 12 in wins um with two already this year i think you i think West Virginia might win straight up so that is where we're going to sprinkle a little bit on it we're going to put West Virginia money line plus 225 as well as west virginia plus seven plus seven we're going to put a, th- a full unit on it the money line plus 225 we're just going to put a quarter of a unit not even a half a unit because it, it it's a pretty big long shot i don't want to tie up that much money on it but quarter of a unit we'll get back um a full or a half a unit in return Pretty good investment there. I like it. Uh, Next up, Oklahoma at Kansas. Oklahoma coming off a pretty big scare against UCF. They could have had another Big 12 win in their pocket if they would have pulled that upset. Gus Malzahn had an incredibly horrible two-point play to end that Oklahoma game. Could have tied it up with it, but double pass, ugly Ugly play call there for from Gus Mills on. Either way, Oklahoma does survive just like Texas did against Houston. Oklahoma now goes to Lawrence, Kansas. Kansas is plus 10.5, or I'm sorry, they're listed at plus nine and a half dogs at home. Love the Jayhawks here. We're gonna buy it though. We're gonna buy a full point because there's honestly pretty cheap. Uh, at Barstool Sportsbook, you can get Kansas plus ten and a half at minus one twenty five. Usually, you would have to, you know, buy a little bit more than that, but pretty good odds there. We're gonna take it. Um, ten is a key number. Touchdown and a field goal with the extra point. We're gonna take that. We're gonna get over the key number even. Uh, Kansas plus ten and a half, and let's also. Sprinkle Kansas money line. We could get it at plus 295 at DraftKings. We're going to just put a quarter of a unit on it again. You're almost getting 3 to 1 odds there. Quarter of a unit, let's not get too greedy. It's a it would be a huge upset if Kansas ends up winning that game, but I think they match up really well with Oklahoma. Kansas is an elite team at running the ball and working off play action. Oklahoma has not been all that great at stopping the run. Now, a lot of people think about the Texas uh, you know, four four down stops they had at the goal line, four goal line stops that they had against Texas is how I wanted to phrase that sentence. Apologies for the butchered, but Oklahoma in general just hasn't been an elite defense this year, especially at run defense so i think kansas actually matches up pretty well with them i'm assuming jalen daniels is out for the year honestly at this point if if he was going to start again for kansas it would be this week coming off a bye as well kansas is so we're still kind of relying on jason bean which is a very scary proposition especially because two weeks ago he basically lost Kansas that game against Oklahoma State, but got buy a bye week to prepare. I think Kansas could pull off this upset and at least cover that plus 10.5 number. Finally, last play of the day. It's going to be a full unit on BYU at Texas. We're going to take the under 50. You can get a minus 110 at DraftKings. Why are we taking the under here? Two reasons, and I think they kind of play well with each other. Texas starting Malik Murphy for the first time in his collegiate career. No guarantees that Texas scores a whole bunch this, this week. Also, BYU, I'm not sure that they score regardless. I think that this Texas team is going to step up as a whole offensively, offensive line playmakers and defensively, I think they're all going to take a step forward. I think they're all going to have almost a heightened sense of their responsibilities, their awareness with Quinn Ewers not being there. You know, I just feel like everybody kind of plays up now um, with a new brand new starting quarterback. That's never played in college before. I just feel like that this Texas team is going to play one of their best team games of the year, uh, aside from maybe that Alabama game. And I feel like BYU just isn't going to score a whole lot. So even if Malik Murphy is kind of lighting it up right now, making explosive plays with his arm, with deep threats, like Xavier Worthy, Adonai Mitchell, even Jonte Cook, I still think it's going to be tough for BYU to really ruin this under here because even if Texas puts up 40... 42 would be a tough proposition because then you're limiting BYU to one score. Um, But I kind of think it's possible. Honestly, Keaton Slovis, BYU's quarterback, obviously seasoned vet has a ton of experience, but he's not really an explosive playmaker. He kind of just dinks and dunks, does his thing. BYU's run game is okay, but that's where Texas actually thrives. So, I do think that BYU might be able to move the ball on Texas a little bit, but with the combination of not really knowing how this Texas offense is going to look with Malik uh, Murphy and combination of that with, I think that this Texas defense is going to play one of their best games of the year against BYU, even though they are dealing with, you know, a kind of a plethora of injuries. I, I mentioned most of them, but Ethan Burke, Jalen Catalan, Gavin Holmes, Alfred Collins, Jody Barron, that is a ton of injuries for this Texas defense, but this Texas defense is really, really deep, and although they're young, I feel like that this BYU team isn't the team that can really, you know, take advantage of that. Next week against Kansas State, now they might be a team who can, but this BYU team I'm just not sure that they have the horses to kind of make up for that. Um, So let's run through the plays one quick time. Houston at Kansas State over 59.5. We're putting a full unit on it. West Virginia at UCF. West Virginia plus 7. Putting a full unit. Oklahoma at Kansas. Kansas plus 10.5 minus 125. Putting a full unit, BYU at Texas under fifty, and we're going to put a full unit on that as well. We're sprinkling in a quarter of a unit each on West Virginia money line plus two twenty five, and Kansas money line plus two ninety five. That's kind of all I have for you guys this week. Again, apologies for getting this out to you all so late and kind of combining the Big Bats podcast with the main flagship podcast. But next week, we'll hopefully be back to normal, feeling a lot better than I was earlier this week. So uh, I thank you all for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, learned something, or just want to support us at Texas Talk, please give us a rating on your podcast platform of choice and share us on your social networking site of choice. I will be back next week with the regular flagship podcast probably coming out on Wednesday. And then later on that week, I will have a Big Bets podcast for you all by Friday. So thank you all for listening again. And as always, hook them.